Welcome to the Haber Show. It is the trade deadline wrap-up show. I just got off the set here in uh, Bethesda, NBC Sports, Washington. Got done with the trade deadline show with my man Chris Miller and Jared Jeffries. And now I've got Amina Hassan on the show. He's a front office analyst for ESPN's The Jump and a host on SiriusXM NBA Radio. He works several years in the Phoenix Suns front office. He knows a thing or two about how this NBA works. We'll talk the big D'Angelo Russell and Andrew Wiggins trade between the Timberwolves and the Warriors. We'll go along on Leon Rose reportedly going to, to run the New York Knicks, replacing Steve Mills. We'll also argue about winners and losers of the deadline. So without further ado, Mr. Amin L. Hassan. The trade deadline is done. It appears that there are no more calls to be made. It appears that uh, Giannis and Adekumpo is still a Milwaukee Buck. Oh, I had my money on him moving at the deadline. He was not traded for Mo Wagner, believe it or not. No, it is the trade deadline recap here. And, uh, man, I... um, I don't know what a couple of teams are doing. I tweeted this morning. I was at my breakfast. I was uh, at the hotel. I was eating my bacon, egg, and cheese. I, it wasn't bacon. I did the turkey sausage, egg, and cheese. Yeah, and I was reviewing. I know I know how you feel about bacon. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I kind of like what all these teams have done so far at the trade deadline. And now I'm kind of reversing my position on that. Mm. Are, are you re- reversing your position on some of the teams that you thought did well or are there new teams that have presented themselves that you're like, well, I didn't like what you did? No, I, I liked what up until this morning teams were doing. And then when the deadline came and went, uh, the teams that made deals after my bacon, egg, and cheese or my turkey sausage, gotcha. egg, and cheese, I was like, yep, eh, yep, that was a short-lived. That tweet that I had was stale now. Okay. It, is, it is not good. So let's start here. Andrew Wiggins on the Warriors. I was stunned by that. I was on my way out. I was on the set today, and someone asked me, hey, what was the most surprising thing that happened today? I was like, that's all they got for D'Angelo? And it's not so much that it was D'Angelo Russell, who has put up big numbers for, for the Warriors. Obviously, the wins haven't come. But they had no urgency to trade him right now. There was one slight piece of urgency. The urgency wasn't necessarily to trade him. The urgency was to shave salary and not be a taxpayer. That was the urgency, right? And so from the standpoint of you look at it from the sense of uh, they got rid of a guy who, if we were to be frank, they did not like a whole lot. They got under the luxury tax which not only saves them money, but more importantly, keeps them out of the repeater tax next year. And they got a first-round pick that, if we're going to be frank again, we don't expect Minnesota to get their act together. That lightly protected first-round pick is going to be worth something fairly valuable. And last but not least, Wiggins' contract is, while Max is one year shorter than uh, D'Angelo Russell's. So savings now, savings later, you're banking on a poor futures market for Minnesota. And if you're that kind of guy who's like, oh, Andrew Wiggins has finally figured it out, like some of y'all rubes were earlier this year, (laughs) maybe you think he's a salvageable player who at least fits 
their roster dynamics a little better than Russell did. Having said that, my thing was this. I was waiting for the having said that. I'm yeah, like, because, I feel like you're, it means getting going, yeah. making the uh, devil's advocate argument here, and then here we go. Yeah, so, so here's my thing. Minnesota wanted D'Angelo Russell. Bad. Right? This is someone they were actively pursuing for months. They tried to get him in free agency. It didn't work. Then they tried to get him via trade for the last at least few weeks. And by the way, their season's going to trash, and their best player is increasingly frustrated and lashing out more and more, even though much of their ineptitude is, is his fault, right? Yes. Knowing that, even knowing that the Warriors are in a, in a pinch with the luxury tax, I still feel like they're the ones inheriting the risk in this deal. Minnesota got the guy they wanted. Golden State wasn't looking for Andrew Wiggins. So they're inheriting the risk. The compensation in order to inherit that risk should have been greater. They should have gotten either more than one first-round pick or they should have gotten this year's first-round pick. Um, you know, given that Minnesota's probably not going to be able to turn it around here uh, down the stretch. I just thought, like, if it, if it wasn't going to be this year's first-round pick, they needed to have at least two. Because, again, we're the ones taking the toxic contract that nobody wants. You're the ones getting the player not only that you wanted, but by the way, the Knicks are interested in him. And if you give us some time, I bet you the Suns would have been interested in them in him as well. So in that sense, I thought even if Wiggins turns out like Steve Kerr turns out to be the Wiggins whisperer and he makes him into this great compliment, this Harrison Barnes type, whatever. Like, they still don't, haven't been compensated enough. It's the old, hey, uh, I got this Corolla, um, and I paid $100,000 for it. Well, that's way too much for a Corolla. But what if I told you there's $5 million worth of gold bricks in the trunk of the Corolla that nobody knew? I would still say, that's nice, <laughs> but you still overpaid because the Corolla was going for like 18, 15 grand, and you paid 100 and I get it. You think there's five million dollars in the trunk, but you could have paid twenty grand for it, over and quote unquote overpaid and still and still made out clean. So, and I, I was sitting here thinking that look, Chase Center has opened. They're printing money. Who cares about the luxury tax? Like if they have to pay a oh. repeater tax? No, 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 no. If the edict came down from up above, the lake would say, "Hey, look, we need to get out of the tax if we can," and it will take taking on Andrew Wiggins' contract to do it, okay. But the way I heard it was that the Warriors wanted two first-round picks from the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Timberwolves were not budging. They said, look, we're going to give you the 2021 first-rounder, lightly protected, and that's where we're going to be. And that's where it ended up. And, that's, and, that, and to me, that's where Gerson Rosas, he won that transaction. Where Gerson Rosas loses is, I think, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Downs are going to be a magnificently awful pairing. So let's let's wait on that. Let's get on Andrew Wiggins because I think the idea of Andrew Wiggins, ever since he was drafted, ever since Kansas, was that he was going to project to be an elite defensive guy. Statistically, he was Lou Aldang. That was the uh, best comp. Coming out of college. Coming out of college was yeah. Lou Aldang type. I don't want to go through his defensive numbers because they're gory. I want to say this because I looked it up. 
his defensive real plus minus ranking is in the 400s. To, and to put this in perspective, when you go to ESPN's RPM rankings and you sort by defense, uh, well, I guess it doesn't matter what you sort by, but there are 13 pages of players. <laughs> in order to find where he ranked on the defensive real plus minus, I had to hit page 11. Like and by the way, halfway down, like towards the lower third of page eleven. So basically, there are ten and two thirds pages of players who rank higher than him in defensive real plus minus. He is not a good defender. He's not a conscientious defender. He's not a good help defender. There is no evidence at all that this dude is or can be a good defensive player, other than. He's 6'8", and he's got long arms, and he can jump, and he can run. But we've seen this a million times. There are lots of guys who have the physical profile of what should be a, a, at least a plus defensive player who are not. And, and to me, that was the thing that was really shocking. I, I know you saw probably Anthony Slater's tweet where, like, there's all this optimism in Golden State. And I'm, I'm like, you might be optimistic. You might be right. But you got to be compensated for the risk because guess what? This dude isn't in, in his second year. He's in his sixth year. He, he's, he's played for Tom Thibodeau. He's played alongside guys like Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson. It, hasn't st- it still hasn't stuck in him. Maybe change of scenery. Maybe like, so, you know, I, I, I do believe like sometimes it'll never happen for them in the organization that they're at because – they were drafted there and drafted very highly, and then, or you know, you, you get the deal. I know he was drafted in Cleveland, but yeah, let's yeah. not let's not get caught in semantics. And also, you, he was rewarded with a max deal, right? I've, I've told the story of Stephon Marbury many a time that when Marbury got traded to the Knicks, uh, the next year, like the Suns tanked, and then that next offseason they signed Steve Nash and Quentin Richardson, and basically kept the same exact team that Stephon Marbury played with. The team that Stephon Marbury played with was like a 30-some-odd win team. Steve Nash joined pretty much the same supporting cast. They went 62 games. Or then they started 31-4 and or or something like that. And so the New York media, because Steph had said, I'm the best point guard in the NBA, New York media, of course, run up to him like, yo, Suns are off to the same Suns team just switching to point guard. They're off to this incredible start. Or do you still feel like you're the best point guard in the NBA? And Stephon Marbury says, yes. Because last time I checked, I got Max and he didn't. <laughs> Which is a totally valid like evaluation. Like, if we pay the best players the most money, like if he got the maximum amount, the maximum allowable, literally there was they could not have given him an extra uh, more dollars. No one could have made him more money. Once you've achieved that, who are any of you to tell me that I'm doing things wrong? That I'm not really that like clearly my my bank account says otherwise. So there is an argument to be said that like him getting traded, maybe this will be the wake up call that would never would have happened as long as he was in Minnesota, no matter who was the coach, no matter who was the general manager or president or or, or Yeah, but couldn't you say, Hey, the Golden State Warriors wanted me? Yeah. I must well, be I- doing something right because the goal the two time NBH like like this team wanted me in this trade. They're willing to give up D'Angelo Russell to get me. They want me. Like I and, think his ego is inflated even more. I don't think he's and, looking at this situation and saying I gotta really, I gotta change my game. 
Well, uh, um, I'm pretty sure like five minutes after meeting Draymond Green, like he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna learn. Oh, right. But but again, it, it it goes back to the point, like the 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 old saying that one of my buddies who's a, who's a coach in the league told me a long time ago. The tiger doesn't change his stripes; he just changes jungles, man. And someone like uh, uh, Andrew Wiggins is the quintessential tiger, like someone who like. Every time, like, oh, he's changed, he's different now. No, he's not. He's the same dude, man. He's the same dude. And so while I, like, I guess, don't say, what else are you going to do? You say, yeah, we didn't really want him, but this is the only way we get under attack. I guess you got to pretend like you're excited for him. But I, I'm skeptical. And, and I, when I texted Steve Kerr today, I said, if you can turn Andrew Wiggins to a player, you need to demand in your next contract you make half of what he makes. I was thinking the same thing, man. I was like, right. this is when Steph Curry and Steve Kerr and that culture that they build and the joy. He is coming from the most joyless situation there in Minnesota where they haven't won a home game with Carl Anthony Towns in the lineup since six Thanksgivings ago. I think that's the stat. <laughs> like this thing is like he's coming from a re- he's coming from first of all Minnesota in the winter. He's coming from a situation they haven't won in months, it seems. Then you go uh you know, I've I've changed coaches from Tibbs to uh, Mitchell to Ryan Saunders. I've been given the reins to be the only point guard on the team, and I'm not really a point guard. And it's I'm coming into a situation where I'm going to be asked to be a three and D guy to fill in for Andre Iguodala on a team or a Harrison Barnes. But man, like if you don't want to believe defensive real plus minus, and that's fine. It's fine if you don't believe in those on-court, off-court numbers, the the adjusted plus-minus and all that stuff. He has the same steal rate as Kevin Love, Duncan Robinson, and Mike Scott. You see the tools, the physical tools, the the springs, the length. You can jump out of the building. He's got this reputation of having the physical tools to be a great defender, and he hasn't put it together. So, look, if you're Golden State, you're saying, look, we can turn him into that. Well, right. and, that, and that's my that's my thing. It's like it's, even if you if you are skeptical of any sort of analytic measure, let's sit down and watch the tape, man. Watch this dude miss rotations. Watch this dude overplay. Watch this dude fall asleep on assignments. Like it, there's no there's no other than just looking at him walking into a gym. There's no proof. There's no evidence. evidence. There's, no, there's evidence. no evidence that this dude is a defensive player. And, and and that to me that's that's the that's the crux of this. And so when Golden State says we can fix him, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, Isaiah Thomas in New York saying we can fix Eddie Curry. It mm-hmm. reminds me of uh, you know like all the different places where people try to inherit God. Oh, we can fix him. Some people can't be fixed. Michael Beasley seven different times all over the league. We can fix him. No, you can't. No, you can't. Like, because at some point, yes, environment matters. And who you play with matters. And, you know, like, they point to Marquise Chris, right, like, as a guy like that. Like, oh, he just had a rough go of it in the NBA, and he's been in all these bad organizations. How do you expect him to ever be good? First of all, it's not like Marquise Chris is, is now, like, Rudy Gobert or anything. Like, he went from, yeah. like, awful to mediocre to, like, or merely bad, right? But then the other part of this is you can do that with Marquise Chris because he's making minimum. 
This guy's making maximum. <laughs> I know. That's not a gamble you take, not without like super compensation, because you're inheriting the risk. Minnesota got no risk, even though, again, I must emphasize again, I think it'll, it, that deal, that combination is not going to be a successful one for them in terms of wins or losses. I don't know with, with Wiggs. I wrote a really big piece, a feature on Wiggs in November and talking about how they got off to a pretty good start with Wiggs as the point guard. And he's uh, been more efficient, right? Yep. You he's taking the rubes. I, look, it was November, okay? And he was taking good shots and he was being more efficient. But, man, hasn't been pretty. He's shooting 33% from downtown this season. He is taking more threes, but at 33%, he has the same exact true shooting percentage as he did four years ago in the league. He has the same true shooting percentage, same player efficiency rating, same just about everything since he was a 21-year-old. Now he's a 24-year-old. So even if you want to say, hey, man, he's developed this, he's he's got a better shot profile, he's a little bit smarter with his decision-making, I don't know, man. It seems like he is the same type of player that he was four years ago, right before he got his money, and he's got his money now. He's just richer, and now he goes into this situation with Golden State. Now, I get it. They were looking at a situation this past summer where KD was leaving. Klay Thompson had it tore his ACL. Uh, Andre Iguodala, does he make sense to be on this team in a gap year? Maybe not. We'll trade him to Memphis and give a future first-round pick. They get a future first-round pick back from Minnesota in this trade, so maybe you call that a wash, okay? But still, I just feel like they could have done a better job canvassing the league for a better asset than Andrew Wiggins, who has shown no ability right now to play defense and a mediocre ability to shoot at a high percentage from deep. Those are the two skills you needed to scour on the market. And by the way, Minnesota had Robert Covington on their roster, and they still went and got Andrew Wiggins, right? I'd much rather have Robert Covington on the Golden State Warriors than than Andrew Wiggins. But right, like, would you? Would you? Yeah, that's the funny thing is, like, would you have done the D'Angelo Russell deal, like, if it were just, uh, if it were, like, you would absolutely rather the Covington and a pick, right? Yes. D'Angelo Russell. Yes. Oh, man. Covington and Gorgie Jang and uh, whatever else makes it. Just to make work. the math work, right? I would yeah. much rather have that deal. And I thought that the Warriors had the upper hand in that negotiation simply because they got D'Angelo Russell in the first place. I'm sure Gerson was looking at this situation like we got we to gotta go over the moon to get D'Angelo Russell because maybe uh, Leon Rose, who might be the, GM, the, the president of basketball ops running the New York Knicks, who's, he's the agent for Devin Booker, agent for Carl Anthony Towns. Maybe he's going to get you know fork over five first-round picks to get D'Angelo Russell, and then Carl Anthony Towns is going to demand a trade out of here, and then what's going to happen? I'm going to lose Carl Towns. Nah, he didn't have that. He didn't have to fork over that much at all. I mean, he was able to keep their own first round pick. You know, next year it seems like they're keeping a protection on the on the top three. But still, I'm I'm not in love with this trade. I'm not. And you're right, Steve Kerr. If you are able to turn Andrew Wiggins into a league average defender and a league average three point shooter in in Golden State, more power to you. That is incredible. Right. What, what's the ceiling you think for Andrew Wiggins realistically? Realistically, why not Lou Aldang? A, so, a really solid role that's, player. But that's, that's but Lou remember Lou Aldang, multiple time All Star, multiple time All Star. See, to, to me, is it Rudy Gay? Rudy Gay, Harrison Barnes, like that caliber player, right? Yeah, yeah. Chandler Parsons. But Harrison right? Barnes isn't make. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, they all made they all made a ton of money. Yeah, that's I, your best case scenario. 
All right, so question, let's question if the Warriors could trade him for Harrison Barnes right now, would they do it? Man without without any extra picks or anything. Just here we go. I think so, but I think they're probably talking themselves into his youth and oh, saying, man. Look, he's still twenty four years old. This this is the this is the part of the Warriors dynasty that I've been waiting for. Because they've been smart, they've been truly light years ahead, but now we've reached the part of the life cycle where it's hubris. Fix him. Could fix anybody, right? That's what that's what Pat Riley went through just now with the guys he just got rid of in, in JJ and Dion Waiters. Could fix him. Hassan, I can fix him. I can fix anybody. Like the the difference is the people they fixed were all um were out of all, the league. Yeah, uh, were, were, on their way out of the league. Low risk initiatives. Minimums, call-ups, $2.5 million. Like, that is easy to turn around. When they're paid, it's so much harder. It's so much harder, man, to do that rehab. So let's go to the other side of this thing. D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. So I see this as a, as a situation where Gerson knew that Carl Anthony Towns could sit there and say, I want out. Right. I want to yes, make my... I want to make my superstar happy, and I want to make sure that he does not pull an Anthony Davis and say, I want out of here. This is Minnesota. I've lost 15 straight games. Everyone's calling me a dog on defense. This is not helping things. I want out. And so he goes out. Rosas goes out and turns Andrew Wiggins, who let's just say this year was supposed to be the reclamation project for Andrew Wiggins, where he's handed the keys to the offense. And Ryan Saunders is the full-time head coach. They hit it off. They're tight. And he flips that into D'Angelo Russell, which is Carl Anthony Towns, by all accounts, his guy, his boy. Right. Um, so D'Angelo Russell, good box score stats. He's a guy who's a lefty who at times can show you, you know, good floor vision. A guy who was a borderline all-star in the Eastern Conference, was not an all-star this year in the Western Conference. A guy that uh, that shoots pretty well off the dribble. Seems like he could be a good pairing with Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah or no? I say no. I think, first of all, neither of them have the defensive countenance. Like, let's be clear on what what makes them especially awful is they can't stop anybody. Can't. And and as bad as Wiggins is defensively, they might have found one of the few guys who's worse. Because well, Russell's really bad. Really bad. Yeah. And so there's that part of it. The, the other part of it is I think whenever you get guys like that who think it's fun, like, oh, I'd love to play with my best friend. They end up finding out that this shit ain't fun at all. It's like it's like when you're in college and you know there's somebody and you're hanging out. You guys are best of friends. We go out, we get hammered together and da da da, and, and cruise the you know the bars together for you know picking up and all that stuff. And you're like, yo, my my roommate's moving out. You want to move in with me? Like, <laughs> yeah. oh my god, this is gonna be the best yep. thing ever. We go back, like we're gonna have the dopest house parties, and we're like everyone's gonna want to hang out at our house. And then what ends up happening? Oh, he clips his toenails everywhere. Oh, you never take the trash out. Oh, man, you do the dishes at least once. <laughs> like, you realize when you live with this person, you cannot stand them. The, like, part of what made the friendship work was the distance. Like, I don't see you enough 
to get annoyed by all your idiosyncrasies that rub me the wrong way. I think Durant and Kyrie are going to go through it next year. And I think absolutely D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns are going to go through it. They're going to go through it offensively in terms of, like, I need the ball. And then they're going to go, they're definitely going to go through it defensively because neither of them are, can guard their man and neither of them are going to help defend. And so, stuck in the same situation. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, you, you'll love this. This should be a big number. His individual defensive rating of the Timberwolves when he's on the floor is historically bad. They are one of the worst defenses all time when he plays. Yep. And when he doesn't, they're actually decent. Gorgie Jang, like, just by having him out there, it makes things so much easier for, for them to stop people. Just by having him out there. And you would, I mean, if Carl Anthony Towns is a superstar, he's got to be better than what he's shown defensively. But, and, no, and the, but the and worst if, part is, the worst part is he doesn't even recognize it. He's out here tough talking in the press like it's not his fault. All right, here's the stat. Ready? Robert Covington, Shabazz Napier, Andrew Wiggins, Culver, and Towns on on the floor together. That five. Mm -hmm. Defensive rating is 117.9. 117.9. That would be not only the worst in the league, but how bad in terms of historically? The worst. Worst ever historically? I believe so. Like a 118 defensive rating would be like the worst ever. Like I'm not hold talking on. about lineup. I'm talking about like for full season defense. So it's really bad. Hold on, okay? hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm in play right now. I'm trying to, let's see, defensive rating. Where is it? Scroll, scroll, scroll. Here we go. Defensive rating. Uh, get results. The worst defensive rating of all time was last year's Cavs. 117.6. Right. That is the worst one of all time. Okay, so so Towns and that those four, Culver, Napier, Wiggins, and Covington, one one seventeen nine. Okay, what? So they, they are the worst of all time. Excellent. Okay, Corgi Jang, in place of Carl Towns, defensive rating is one hundred six point zero. One hundred six point zero. If you're keeping. S- same four, same four in the just same number the of minutes. Center. Just switch out Carl Towns with Dang, and it's 106.4, 106.0. So, and that's, that, would be, that would be top five in the league right now. So think about that. It's, it's like a golf score, people out there. You do not want to have a higher defensive rating, okay? You want a lower one, right? So, um, and, and you can go on down the line with this stuff. So, and, and here's the thing. I covered LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh when they got together in 2010. And they thought it was going to be easy. They thought it was like, hey, we're super friends. We're going to get on each other. We're good. We're, we're all NBA guys. It, we love each other. We're friends. It's going to be okay. And then they got punched in the mouth by the Boston Celtics in game one. And then they started out nine and eight. And then it got real, I mean, And those were two very successful superstars in the league. LeBron James. Three. Three. Three very successful superstars in this league. And they still struggled to have those conversations, those difficult conversations yeah. with, with each other because they were all NBA and because they were friends and because they were boys on the on the Olympic team. And that actually made things worse when things went sideways, when they got uh, beat. When they got hit up, uh, when when Rudy Gay hits a game winner against you guys, uh, last second game winner, 
and you got to look at yourselves in the mirror and you're like, yo, my buddy who's clipping his toenails over there, like, yeah. I just don't want to get on him, man. Cause I know, I know his mom and it's like, it's just, I feel bad. Like if, we, if we argue, then what happens? It's going to be awkward when we go out. And everyone outside thinks we're like this happy couple. Like we're, we're the, like we's cool, we're best friends and this, like everyone thinks that we're boys. But, Tom, this, this is my favorite part about this, this parable, which at the end of it, obviously they figure they finally have a heart to heart and, and uh, they figure it out. Right. But it's like, here are some things like it, like if they're like, oh, yeah, but they was going to figure it out. We'll figure it out. Like, here's some things like sobering realities. Right. Number one, Chris Bosh was the third best player on the, that team. Right. On that heat. Yeah, team, yeah. Correct. Yep. Chris Bosh easily is better than either of these guys right now. 2010 Chris Bosh right now is easily miles better than Towns or 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 uh, Wiggins or Russell or whoever. Right? Oh, certainly defensively, for sure. And even though people thought that Chris Bosh couldn't defend, he was way better than what Towns has shown. And ta- if Chris Bosh was playing in today's NBA and was given the 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 reins like Carl Anthony Towns, he'd be putting up those same numbers. Yeah, and and, and but defending. Yes. Uh, number two, they were playing for a head coach who had been had proven himself over years, not. Half a season because we like him because he's nicer than the guy we fired. Right? Like, Spo had proven himself as a coach with little to no talent. Or with one talent, I guess. One superlative talent in Dwayne Wade. Right? Um, in a way that Ryan Saunders, not saying that he never will, but I'm just saying at this point, he's still trying to figure out who he is as a coach in this league. Right? Yeah. Number three, a front office had been there in place for 20 years, right? Or 15 years at that point. Yep. A, a decade and a half. As opposed to brand new front office, which, by the way, this is this dude's first time running the show. Number four, stable ownership. Should have been number one probably on my list. One of the most stable ownership groups we have in the history of this league versus a guy who's been around for a while but is the opposite of stability. So all of those things are conspiring against Towns and Russell to figure this thing out. And that's assuming that they're coming to the plate with the right attitudes and the right level of desire to sacrifice and do the right thing. Just assuming they had the same kind of, hey, we just want to get this right in the same way that LeBron Wade and Bosch did. But they, we know they don't. And we know that they don't have the, the ownership to support and be stable to this. And we know they don't have a front office that's proven and that's tenured. And we know they don't have a coach who, who's, whose voice and sound is, is defined. And we know they're not as good as those guys. The thing that I come back to is they're going to have to have those tough discussions. They're going to have to talk about the toenails. They're going to have to talk about how uh, every, the air freshener every, needs to be used. Yes. <laughs> They're going to have to talk about how they need to take the trash out, that they have to continue locking the door when they leave. They have to, uh, not leave their food around. Right. But man, it just doesn't seem like that that is a situation that is going to get a good result right away. And it seems like it's almost placating. It's going to be seen as placating Carl Anthony Townsend. He got his way and, it's not necessarily going to spur him 
changing his entire uh, mindset coming defensively. So I'm, I'm, I actually think the Timberwolves made out better than the Warriors on this side. If we had to pick a winner and a loser in this trade, I'm going to go with the, with the Timberwolves, but still, I just, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, but they, I'm, a, I'm they, a, they, they won because they got off of that contract without sacrificing too much. And whatever you want to say about D'Angelo Russell, at this stage of his career, he is more accomplished and carries more value than Andrew Wiggins ever has. Because yep. at, at the very least, he can say, I'm, I was an all-star. I was an all-star. And I led my a, team to the playoffs. I, to, to the with, playoff. yeah. I was the best player on the playoff team, and I was an all-star. At the, at the very least, he can say that. And Andrew Wiggins can't say that. Help me out with something. You've been with the Phoenix Suns uh, front office. Mm-hmm. Um, Leon Rose is someone who represented uh, Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. Uh, he has a Carmelo Anthony, a guy, a, a huge power agent yeah. in the NBA. And if the New York Knicks are going to come in here and say, look, copycat league, yes, but look at Rob Palenka right now with the Los Angeles Lakers. Look at uh, Bob Myers there in uh, – and Golden State, hey, this whole agent turned GM thing can really work out. Let's go get Leon Rose because he's got uh, he's a power broker in the league. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, Arn Tellum is in Detroit. It's not as easy as saying Bob Myers did it. So did Rob Palinka. They're they're number one in the Western Conference. Those two situations are very different than the Knicks situation. For one, LeBron James, in my opinion went to the Lakers not because of Rob Palenka, but, but despite of Rob Palenka. In fact, I think he looks at Rob Palenka and understands like he is new at this job, and I am going to go into Los Angeles with my agent, Rich Paul, and I am going to have a lot more leverage in this situation because Rob Palenka is new to this job, and I can get things out of the Lakers that I could not get with the Miami Heat because Pat Riley has a whole lot more power and means more to that city than I do, and I need to work with Pat Riley. I can run the show in in the Lakers. And Rich Paul, with me, we can get Anthony Davis to the Lakers. Now, Bob Myers in, in Golden State, he didn't come in as the number one guy. So so that's what I was going to stop you. I, I was going to let you finish your rant. Before I was going to stop you. Blinka didn't come in as the number one guy. Magic Johnson was the number one guy. Yes. So the two success stories that we point to are guys that came in as the number two guy and then eventually ascended and were able to, to once they understood the lay of the land, because no matter how long you've worked in basketball, like as an agent, as a broadcaster, and there's nothing that prepares you for doing front office work like being in a front office. Okay, so give me that. Give me what is the gap there that being under someone for a year or two, you will learn that you can't understand from the other side of the table. Number one is what a term I'm trying to coin nowadays is managing the hurricane, right? So what what I mean by that is this: imagine if you're a GM and all the your different skill sets are cool electronics, right? Like. My keen scouting eye, that's like a nice little like electronics device right here. 
and my uh, analytical mind, you know, my mind for analytics and number crunching. Oh, this is a nice little device over here. And oh, my uh, knowledge of the salary cap and, and cap crunching cap crew, and yeah. stuff like that. That's another little device here. All cool, high end stuff that really awesome stuff. But my house has a massive hole in the roof and there's a hurricane coming down. All that cool electronics doesn't mean anything if they're all getting washed away in flood water. The only way you get to use these cool devices and show everybody how cool you are is if you manage the hurricane above you and like close that wall. And the hurricane is obviously your owner. Dealing with the owner as an agent is different than dealing with the owner as his employee, right? Mm-hmm. I worked for a guy who thought he had it all because, man, I rep Grant Hill and Tim Duncan and, and all these people love me. Like, they love you because you represented the greatest players who all those franchises were just so yep. thankful to have. Once you're not, like, pulling strings like that, once you are an employee, that in, they're not enamored by you anymore, man. They're not going to listen to you like that because you, now – <laughs> It reminds me of the Sopranos when Tony Soprano is sitting there with all his guys and he realizes that they just laugh at his jokes because he's the boss. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, there, so, and he has this, this, this realization that he's not funny. It's just they have to laugh to keep their jobs. Yes, yes. But the shoe's on the other foot when you work there. And so managing the hurricane. Even if you think, oh, I'm great, I'm great at talking with the owner, like the owner, oh, the owner, it's different. He had to like you. He had to respect your opinion back then. Now he doesn't have to. Now he can just say, you're wrong. And, ra- and with that, without the fear of you saying, well, okay, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. Because now it ain't your ball anymore. Here, here's, here's the conversation I see happening. Hey, uh, Leon, so you repped uh, Devin Booker and Carl Towns? Yeah. Can you go get them for me? Well, I don't even think it's I don't I like mean, like that, no 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 just just hey man uh, I'm gonna need some time here. Look at the roster that I inherited. Like R.J. Barrett, in order for me to get Devin Booker or Carl Anthony Towns or to capitalize on those relationships that I have with former clients. So Carl Anthony Towns and Devin Booker are rep by Leon Rose currently. Right. Um, so if you are impressed by his client list and the relationships that he has. It still doesn't matter if you have a dumpster fire of assets to but trade I, I with. I don't even, but I don't even think it, it's it's even rises to the level of you're going to get me your ex clients. It's just anything. Like <laughs> if 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 I'm Leon Rose, I represent Carmelo Anthony, right? So I have a relationship with Jim Dolan, right? And I say, hey man, Jim's really hard to work for. No, 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 no. Me and Jim are cool. I've been know I know Jim for years. Well, I was, how? Well, I know Jim because I represent Carmelo Anthony. Well, duh, of course, Jim's always going to be cool with you because that's his best player. So, yeah, he's going to be like, hey, Leon, how's it going? Da, 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 Mel, whatever Melo needs, blah, 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 blah. Like, hey, Melo's really upset about that. Yeah, no, I could see that. that. That makes sense, da, da, da. So your whole perception of your relationship with this person is on a peer-to-peer level. But once you become the employee, you don't have the leverage of, hey, man, you talk to me disrespectfully. I'm taking Carmelo and I'm going. Now you're coming in and saying, hey, um, I really think uh, LaMelo Ball maybe not the best fit for us here. No, but I want LaMelo Ball. No, no, but I, I trust me on this one. 
Yep. Why should I trust you? I'm the boss. It's my decision. It's my team. We're going the mellow ball. It, it, it's, it has nothing to do with, like, yeah, like, probably on the highest level. It's like, I thought you were going to bring all your guys. But it's not even that. It's the idea that your perception of your relationship with this owner was based on a relationship built on a certain principle, that we are peers because I have something that you need. Once I become your employee, that relationship goes out the window. And with it goes the same respect level. I mean, it may not manifest itself immediately, like, shut the f*** up, your mind now. It doesn't manifest itself immediately. But at some point, it manifests itself in the sense that I don't have to listen to you. I don't have, I can, I can make you do this. I can make, just like he could make Steve Mills and Scott Perry have a press conference right after a loss before they even talk to a coach. You think those guys who've been around basketball as long as they have, they didn't think that was off? Mm. You think those guys didn't know, like, oh, this, this is a, a massive faux pas? Of course they knew. But when the boss says you got to do it, do I want to lose my job or do I want to keep my job? And that's what it comes down to, right? And so, when you are an agent and, and transitioning into this thing, to me, you need a, at least a year, at least a year, just to see that dynamic play out in front of you and see you talk to someone and realize, oh, shit, my opinion ain't what it used to be. You need to have that happen. And in Polinka's case, and in, in, in Bob Myers' case, he had his rough points and missteps and all that, but luckily they were small enough and early enough that it didn't really matter. In Palinka's case, they were very public and very tumultuous, right? And so this is not me to say that Leon Rose is going to do an awful job or that Leon Rose doesn't know what he's talking about or any of those things. This is just me saying it's very, very, very hard for someone who has never done this job before to walk into a position of power and do it well off the, get, off the bat. It's so much harder than it looks. And it's, yeah. and it's, and again, you, you hit it nail on the head where your, your relationships around the league and around the power brokers in the league changes as soon as you put on that New York Knicks logo and you're sitting underneath that yeah, org chart, man. Like it's, and, that's, and that's the other part. I didn't even get into like how everyone else is going to treat you. Like, like people outside the organization. Right. Like, again, Rob Palenka probably thought he was a really well liked guy until he became general manager of the Lakers. And all of a sudden, like everyone hates Rob Palenka. Oh, yeah, that guy's been a jerk. Yeah. Again, they could not tell you, hey, man, we don't really like you because he represents Harden. He represents Kobe. He represents all these people. Like, of course, like you got to play nice. But the moment I'm not like my franchise is not beholden to you. I could treat you any way I want. I could tell you, hey, man, I never liked you. I always thought you were fake or whatever, whatever. And again, I'm not saying this about Rob Palenka. I'm just saying this is the experience he had once he crossed over. He began to realize how people really felt about him. And um, again, when not being in a position of power to begin with offers him the, the, like the, the, the gradient, like, right, like to, to – gradually get myself into the swing of things as opposed to jumping in 10 toes deep. Let me ask you a question because I was thinking about Anthony Davis, right? If Anthony Davis wasn't rep by Rich Paul, do you think he'd be a Laker? It's a great question. I had never heard until Rich Paul, I had never heard that Anthony Davis had this growing desire to be in LA. I had never heard that. That is not to say he didn't have this growing desire to be in LA and under those lights and being in Hollywood. I just never, I never heard it. So do I think that he would be 
uh, prying his way over to Los Angeles without Rich Paul. I just never heard that rumor. I ne- at no point had I had heard that like Anthony Davis was killing himself to get to the Lakers. Never heard that right. until he got rep by Rich Paul. But it's right. it's worked out for Anthony Davis, right? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not questioning like whether it was a good decision or a bad decision. I'm just saying, I want. I often wonder, like, would he be a would? I I truly believe he would have demanded a trade. That part, I, I don't yes. think he would have gutted it out in New Orleans because it was clear they weren't going in in the right direction. And that's why I always point to like he did New Orleans a favor because by virtue of him saying I want out of here. They, they rebooted their entire organization. They got a new uh, president of basketball operations and a new front office and, and new facilities. And, and they got all these prospects. And they got a guy who looks like he's gonna, like a, a max player. And, and they got a lot for Anthony Davis saying, I don't want to be here. So it, it was clearly the best thing for both parties. But I wonder, would he be a Celtic? Would he be a Nick? Would he be a, a Toronto Raptor? What would he be? Or would he still be a Laker if if Rich Paul didn't rep him? With Leon in, in New York, I don't know if that's going to work out. Uh, I certainly have no evidence to suggest that Leon doesn't know what he's doing as a as – a, uh, it could work out. Um, and it certainly hasn't worked out with previous guys, whether it's Donnie Walsh, whether it's uh, Steve Mills. Uh, who knows what the future holds for Scott Perry. But I, I noticed this the other day. Scott Perry, to get Scott Perry – they had to give up a second round pick to the Sacramento Kings. And it's just so funny. Right. It's just like, and if you read the same quotes from, from Dolan about Steve Mills getting, uh, being elevated from general manager to president and then Scott Perry coming in, it's the same stuff. We've been down right. this road before with, with the Knicks and it's the same old stuff. And the common denominator is James Dolan. James did you, Dolan. Uh, did you enjoy that press release, by the way? I'm not selling. Oh my God, man. Like, who does that? <sighs> Who does that? I've been watching a lot of Secession recently, and it's just it's hard not to think of Dolan as as Logan Roy coming out of the stroke. But he's not, you know, because you know what he is. Even though I've only watched like three episodes of Succession, he's not Logan Roy. He's the inept son. He's he's Kendall. Yeah, that's who he is. Larry Dolan or Charles Dolan, excuse me. That's Logan Roy. Yeah. That's the dude that built the empire. This dude is just like, you know, silver spoon in it. It's crazy. He took dad's money and bought himself a toy with it and mismanaged the hell out of that toy. All right. Let's take a quick break to hear about a podcast that should be in your rotation. It's Peter King, host of the aptly named Peter King podcast, dropping every Wednesday. I chat with big football people. Now, I've added a second mini-pod dropping Monday mornings, capsulizing my football morning in America column. Listen. Who is your big winner? This is the boilerplate question. Who is the big winner from trade deadline today? The Clippers. I kind of feel like it's Milwaukee, man. Oh, come on. Don't be lame. I hate when people do that. Oh, the team that didn't have to do anything. I don't know, man. If I'm Milwaukee and I'm watching the rest of the league arm up, and the best that any anybody could do is Marcus Morris added to the Clippers. Like I'm feeling pretty good. Like Carl Anthony Towns didn't go to Boston. This, like, is, this is this is what I'm going to tell you. Milwaukee's an excellent team, right? But an excellent team with a net rating that is historically good, right? Having said that, with a net rating that's better than even the best version of the Warriors ever had. Having said that, they don't have the air of invincibility. 
and they don't strike fear in their opponents the way the Warriors did. They're multiple Eastern Conference teams that all look at Milwaukee. In a seven-game series, we got there. Because Milwaukee has, much like the Death Star, Milwaukee has certain flaws. Small flaws, but exploitable flaws. Boston, Toronto, and Miami, and maybe perhaps even Indiana and Philadelphia. All look at that like, yep, we're going to pick at that right there. We're going to send the X-Wings in, and we're going to bomb that that one meter by one meter shaft, and it's going to blow up that whole thing. And that's how they went down last year. And if, if Bud does not change some fundamental things about himself and the way he coaches, it's going to be the same. It's going to be Return of the Jedi. They're going to blow it up again because it's just their greatness is all hinging or not all hinging, but a lot of the greatness of their net rating is hinging on playing 29 teams back to backs. And uh, we're in this night. Now we're next night. We're gone. We're somewhere else, you know. Like Philadelphia played uh, Miami the night. Like, oh, now we're playing Milwaukee tonight. All right, tomorrow we got someone else we got to worry about. Right? When it comes to a seven-game series, Milwaukee's not infallible. Now, I'll agree with you. They probably saw that Gallinari story. And were like, oh God. Yep. They dodged a massive bullet. Yep. They dodged a because ma- if Miami got Gallinari, Ooh-wee. let me tell you right now. Yesterday we were in Staples Center. When it, like that was the, it was looking like it was gonna happen, and a bunch of us, I'm not even ashamed of it, started booking my hotel for Miami in the finals. If they got Gallinari and Igadala, and who knows if Jimmy Butler's okay after he left the game last night? Strained right shoulder. Strained right shoulder. We'll see, right? Yeah. But man, with Eric Spolstra as the coach, with Pat Riley and because Andy, like man, it's because because the, here's the thing, Tom. Even without Gallinari, but even but had they gotten him, that would have been the real coup. The players responsible for building this Miami season thus far, they're all still in that locker room. Mm-hmm. The dudes they gave up didn't have nothing to do. Winslow played ten games or eleven games. It was Most eleven eleven games. Most of them were at the beginning of the season, yeah. right? Yeah, like the the rotation since then has been set. None and and. Uh, you know, uh, Nunn, Robinson, uh, Jimmy, Bam, and uh, who's the fuck? Why am I drawing a blank? Bam, uh, Duncan, Nunn, Hero, Dragic. Yeah, like like that. Like the rotation is set. Those dudes are, are uh, Derek Jones Jr. Yeah, Myers, Leonard, Kelly Olynyk. Like none of those dudes are gone, right? So they just basically added Iguodala and and Jay Crowder, and then like Solomon Hill is a nice kind of extra body to add. And, and I'm not, I'm not, Jay Crowder's not a, a world beater, but it's just one more dude. Yeah. One more gritty, tough son of a yeah. hard playoff uh, tested veteran. Right? They had added gone, all right, then they would have been like, Milwaukee would be like, oh, now, yeah, as is, like, okay, you still feel like a very comfortable gap between you and the next best team in the East, cool. But I'm telling you, those other teams in the East, they don't fear them. So when I tell when I, when you ask who won the trade deadline, please, please don't do that. Pick someone who actually made a transaction. No, I'm not. I'm just yeah. here to I'm just here to get you mad. I'm trolling you at this point. I'm doubling down and saying Milwaukee not only won the trade deadline, they won the championship today. They oh. did it. Did I just go Stu Gatz on you? I mean, I think you did. <laughs> 
Start in your per, start in the your championship pers- parade in Milwaukee in per, there. In your and in, in Tom's personal record book. Milwaukee Bucks won the championship. In my today. personal record book, Milwaukee is not only the winner at the trade deadline, they have already established the next dynasty, and Giannis has already signed the Supermax today. Signed the Supermax today, effectively. Now, I think they did. I think they did. I think they won the day. I think that it, if you start this morning and after it, who is feeling the best? I think Milwaukee's feeling best about what happened today. Maybe okay, then who, maybe Miami, big, Clippers. Who's the, big, who's the biggest loser? How about that? Since you don't want to. The biggest loser out. I mean, we're talking teams. Yeah. Lakers. This, this was no. Lakers are fine. I don't know. Lakers are fine. They're, like they'll clean up and. I mean, are we going to go with like Detroit or Cleveland? Is that what you're going? Cle- Cleveland, absolutely. <laughs> what the hell are you guys doing? What the hell are they doing? Are they going to start Tristan Thompson at point? I don't know, man. What are they doing? I thought Matt Moore had a funny, funny tweet today. It was like, uh, Rockets, wait, so you need to grab a rebound to win? And then it says, <laughs> and then it says, Cavs, wait, so you can't just grab rebounds to win? <laughs> you, you know what that reeks of? They had a deal for Tristan Thompson that fell through at the last second. Yeah. And they and they got they got Drummond and now they're like, yeah. Um. So uh, we wanted both of you guys. Oh, and Kevin Love, you too. We're good. We're good. And they I have like to it. go with this with with yeah, Beeline. We, we talked we talked about this on the jump today. You know, how, uh, Drummond had a tweet about there's no loyalty, and I gave my heart and soul. Da da da. And so. Uh, Matt Barnes said, you know, like that's it's a hard part because when players try to determine their own fate, people call them selfish or whatever. But when a team does this to a guy like that, they tell you, oh, it's just business. So which is it? And Rachel's like, yeah, there's like there's a very human element. You know, the, you guys are together for and you're, you're taught like this is the way for success or whatever is to bleed for one another and to call each other brother or whatever. And then all of a sudden you just got to like turn it off because there's been a change in plans that you really weren't whatever and i said like that's all well and good and it's true but let's be honest he wouldn't be complaining about loyalty if he got sent to the clippers or the celtics or the rockets right and he's doing the emojis to kevin love who's trying to get out of there yeah like like (laughs) like the reason he's upset isn't that they they didn't inform him where he was going this is about Cleveland. This is the same reason why Cleveland fans were so they're lying through their teeth when they said, "I didn't like, I didn't mind LeBron leaving. It's just the way he did it." Yeah, no, like he, that, no, that, a, that's not the reason why you're yeah, upset. You're, you're upset because he left, and and Andre Drummond is upset because somehow, some way, the the Pistons found a way to send him to the only team that was probably worse than the one he was on. Like the only, like think about it. you live in Detroit. The team stinks. No offense, not a great city to live in, right? And then someone says, "Good news, Andre, you guys should." Oh, awesome! Where am I going? Cleveland. <laughs> so not only is the team worse, but also quite possibly a worse city. You know, like, there's so. this other thing that Jared Jeffries talked about today on the show. We did um, the trade deadline show. We did. Jared De- Jeffries was talking about Shane Battier getting traded for Hashim the Beat, and Shane wasn't upset about getting traded. He was upset about get, about getting traded for Hashim to be. Yo, who said Reggie Theus was talking about that today? Reggie Theus said, cause "This is early in the morning. I was doing I was doing morning radio with him 
on uh, SiriusXM. He said when he got traded, he got traded for like same thing, like something terrible. He said that pissed him off way more than getting traded. Yeah, he was pissed. Like that's all I'm worth. <laughs> yeah, which is such a, it reminded me of uh, of semi pro. Oh man, it's been a long time since I saw semi. I remember like he traded. He, he got Monix, uh, like Woody Harrelson's character got traded for a uh, for a, a washing machine. That's it. For a washing machine. Was like, it Kyle Corver who got traded for a fax machine? What was it? Way back What's in the for, day, who was it? Was it Corver? It was someone. It was before that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's that. It's that thing. Is not only was I traded so, to Cleveland, but it was for a second round pick. There's there's a player who I won't name. Who got once got waived, so the team could keep the uh, the morning breakfast buffet. Like the what, like they cut the morning breakfast buffet. And the star player was like, "What happened to the breakfast?" They're all like, "It's budget cuts or whatever." So then he literally like looked at like some dude who was on a ten day. Like, do we really need him? Oh. And they cut the dude and brought back the breakfast. That's messed up, man. Yeah. <laughs> Like Drummond, that's tough, man. That is so tough. Not just getting traded to Cleveland, but going from like, hey, I'm going to get a big payday this summer to that's my that's my value around the league is a second round pick. Feel bad, man. Like on a human level, I do feel bad for this. And, and as Brian Winhurst used to tell me, I ain't feeling bad for anyone that makes twenty eight million dollars a year. He's got a player option for twenty eight million dollars a year, and he's uh, going to pick that up. You think he's going to pick it oh, up? Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause he, cause really? I, I feel like Detroit was worried about that. It was like, why did you, why did you trade Andre Drummond for just a second round pick? Because they wanted to move on, and they knew that he was probably going to take that twenty eight yeah. million dollar. That's how I read this situation. I want, I wonder if he's going to be a, a a sign and trade guy this summer. That's where having a good agent comes in handy, kids. You find out what that market is. I mean, I think, uh, I think we got a roll here, but that was, um, man, it was a. Uh, one of those things where I was like, ah, oh, this trade deadline, you know, I feel pretty good about what the Rockets did because I didn't, I didn't, I mean, you do? We, I did, yeah. The last, the last hurrah, man. That's the last gasp of a, of a drowning man. Oh man, it feels like I don't want to go too deep on this, but feels like they're just hitting like the the last resort button. Yeah, that's it's the last gasp of a drowning man. I feel like I feel like it's a better situation than the, what they had with Capella. I think it's a better. I, I, I think, think it's better. I think, I think it's an overreaction, and it's it's and it, it does not take into account how good Capella makes them defensively. In most cases, obviously he got torched against the Warriors, but a the Warriors aren't around, and b even if they were around, like what are the odds you gonna play them, man? Like if this thing works most of the time, but in a, a select few times it doesn't. I, I just I don't know if you can just give up on it like that especially considering how cost-friendly his, his contract was. But again, they were dealing with some economic issues as well. Economic issues, which, by the way, perhaps exacerbated a little bit by certain revenue uh, oh boy. that was is not no longer available to them. <laughs> the, uh, the salary cap moves down because uh, some international money wasn't coming in. Well, well, I, it's, I, it's not, I'm not even talking about the salary cap. I'm talking about their revenue. Houston oh, Rockets. Oh, 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 oh yes. You're yes. Specifically, like yes, everybody's feeling it, but some are feeling it a little tougher than others. 
it's gonna be fun. I, I'm gonna actually like watching the the Rockets. This this I'm gonna want to watch what they do nah, here. I'm gonna want to watch it. It's gonna be more of the same. I don't know. Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Amin El Hassan, uh, thanks for joining me, man. And uh, tell the people where they can find your illustrious velvety voice because uh, they loved it so much uh, over the past hour. So, uh, on all social media, Instagram and Twitter, at Darthamin, D-A-R-T-H-A-M-I-N. On the radio, you can find me on SiriusXM NBA. That's channel 86 on Sirius Devices. I'm usually on 10 to 1 Eastern. Uh, not every day, but most days. Uh, from Sunday through Friday. And, um, at, and, and at the local karaoke bar. Yeah, and ESPN on the jump. Uh, that comes on three o'clock Eastern time. Uh, again, not every day, but kind of semi-frequently. Well, I will see you in LA at some point this postseason. Right. That's for sure. Uh, you're not coming to Chicago. Oh yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there next week. Right. Yeah. yeah, I forgot freeze next out. week. No freeze <laughs> up, buddy. <laughs> Rage right, is man. like, hey, we're doing we're doing a jump live in Chicago. Like, Will Bond's gonna be there. Rondo's gonna be there. So and so's gonna be there. It's like, is a blanket gonna be there? Will the North Face be there? Like, these are the questions I want to. Is know. there a heat lamp that I can sit under? Oh my god! Please. Oh. Yeah. Hey, last year was in Charlotte. That was my hometown. Uh, this year it's Chicago in February, and what is it, Indianapolis next year? Uh, and, but but then it looks up. It's Cleveland after that. Okay, good. Drum yeah, over NFL, NFL guys are laughing at us, man. They're legit laughing at us. And that'll do it for this week's episode of The Haber Show. The trade deadline is a wrap. I want to thank you, Amin El-Hassam, for joining the show. If you haven't listened to the Neil O'Shea sit-down, the president of basketball operations for the Portland Trailblazers, uh, we talked for about 45 minutes about Damian Lillard, about where the NBA is going. What about the four-point line possibility in the NBA? The origin story of how he got to the Blazers, all in there. Go listen to that episode uh, posted earlier this week. Um, Until next time on The Haber Show.